All right, listen up, spuds. This is Zap Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Yeah. You're listening to You Suck. What's the difference with Al and Tom? You're one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah. Hello, guys. Oh, with the wrong way around. That's weird. I'm usually that side. <laughs> yeah, weird. Weird, right? I don't know. Hey, guys. I want to be, How's it go- I want to be a what? first for once. I was like, this is what, Tom's then? show. Bring us in. Out. Bring us in. You do it. Fine, you do me. And I'll be hey, you. There we go. Everyone, this is the show that is <laughs> us. I'm Alex Whiteley. And I'm Tom Bruno, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you throw that in there? That is so uh, super rude. offensive. Just you know, uh, it is. It is to our guests especially. What is wrong with you, sir? My goodness. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us, um, and I uh, hope you guys have had a great week. Uh, joining us on the show today, uh, we have an amazing young actress. That's um, I've been watching a movie recently, and I can't wait to talk to her about it and uh, her career. Uh, welcome to the show from Canada, Tanisha Collins. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you both for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. I, I feel like that's like one of those fake things, right? Like, I mean, like I, have you always lived in Canada, Tanisha? Yeah, I, I like, was born and raised in Montreal with a little bit in New York, but pretty much Montreal. <laughs> oh, so you and me, dude. You and me. So it's like yeah. your home and native land, baby. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know where I, I literally just woke up like 10 seconds ago. So I was like, oh, my brain's like kind of sort of almost there, but not quite almost there. Um, yeah, I, I'm well, so we were talking about it beforehand and um, I expressed the fact the same thing I always do whenever we speak to someone from uh, from Canada um, that I live in Vermont. We're right across the border from one another. You were um, explaining that you actually, you know, Doug, Vermont, you were you were calling it the the uh, the Canadian, the U.S. Canada, Canada? What, yeah, what were your words exactly? It's basically another province, you know. Like people in mm. Vermont are like I've been to Vermont, so chill. Everybody's nice. You must have maple syrup that's like on par with Canadian maple syrup, and I don't use that term lightly. Um, like it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, Vermont is totally Canada. You guys even sometimes have a little bit of the Canadian accent more than we have in Montreal, to be honest. I've adopted it just because like I live across like directly across the border where the um, where you can enter can- uh, Canada, uh, Newport, <laughs> Canada, entrances, <laughs> Canada. <laughs> you can enter your Canada. Um, I live right on the, the border town. Like literally, if I threw a rock too hard, it's a terroristic act because it would cross the border. And they're like, hey, I'm like, sorry. Um, but I, I've adopted a little bit of it, especially because most people I, I commune with, I talk with, they're all Canadian as well. Um, but I'm also from New York. I was born in New York. That's where I was um, originally from. <clears throat> where in where in New York? I'm guessing the city. That's where everybody. Is. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. dad used to live in New York, and he, you know, made his way through the different neighborhoods. And like every good New Yorker, when you get successful, he moved to Connecticut. Um, so, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> so I spent, you know, I spent uh, some of my childhood summers in in the city, you know, between Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx, and then Stanford, Connecticut, which I really thought was really beautiful and as a teenager I was like this is the headquarters of WWE so it's even cooler uh- <laughs> it's so funny because okay so like my my middle child I have three kids 
And um, I'm like, Alex, he's got 30 kids or something. I don't know how many kids he's got so many kids, um, but they're all ama- First of all, they're, they're all amazing kids. Let me just throw that out there. But um, so my middle kid, um, he's really been into this wrestling game. He, he plays the PlayStation. He's very game oriented, you know, all the stuff that kids are. But he's been into WWE wrestling. And I, I like was for a hot second when. I don't know. I was like nine or ten or something, and um, I, I kind of dug it, kind of didn't. Like if that was when The Rock and like Stone Cold Steve Austin, all these like big, huge names were wrestling, and now he's into it. So I feel like you know if he's really into this whole thing, he's like mimicking moves, all that type of jazz. That I should bring him to a wrestling match. And it's funny that you mentioned that that Connecticut is the home of WWE because um, I noticed that like 90% of the matches are being played there. I'm like, why are all of them being done in Connecticut? What a what a random place to pick. It's I mean it's kind of like a little like not Jersey, not New York, but Connecticut. I mean one of the original 13. So hey fuck me right. (laughs) So you want to hear a really funny WWE related story. Um so in high school like like I was very much the girly girl, totally. Like my my stepdad used to take me too. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was princess. I was like a rough and tumble princess, but I just because I was clumsy. Like I was very much like girly girl. My dad used to take like our neighbor's kid to WWE just because he didn't have a son at the time. Um, <laughs> and but but in high school, I think like around like thirteen or fourteen, um, I got a crush on a boy who really liked wrestling. So I'm like, let me check out this wrestling thing that I used to hate because my sister loved it and I really liked it. And I started watching with my grandmother and she's like, oh, like the rock came on the screen and she's like, that's your cousin. Um, my grandmother is notorious for lying. Um, <laughs> if she doesn't know the answer, she'll make it up. Like I asked her when I was just, just for context, I asked her when I was younger, like eight, like, why do we not eat red meat? Why do we eat fish on Good Friday? And with a very straight face, full on serious was just like, well, Tanisha, in the days of Jesus and Moses, Cows weren't invented yet. Um, <laughs> of course, when she told me that The Rock was my cousin, I took it with a grain of salt. And I was like, this is total BS. But she went on. She's like, yeah, like, you know, his dad was was Rocky Johnson. And she told me, like, basically his whole life story. But, like, we didn't really have the ability to Google as easily as we do now. So, like, I was like, she really made up an elaborate story. And I go to school and I tell the guys the story. And they were just like, no, like this, this is the true story. This is like rock story. Like you're definitely his cousin. And they would call me the pebble because That's I was so little. So, so my nickname was the pebble. And it was like, you smell what the pebble's cooking. And nice. we didn't really know. Like, and finally, like we deciphered how we're, we're not officially related, but he's my cousin's stepbrother. Um, so, you know, there, there is, kind of a familiar relationship but like we're not at all blood relatives like my grandmother thought like we had to really speak to my cousin and get the whole little family tree that's a little confusing still but enough for uh free tickets every now and again i'm dying to work with with the rock so i can be like hey like we're almost cousins like and i can name all of his you know relatives that are indirectly related to me but he's not the kind of like I have zero connection with him, right? Like I'm not going to, he's not going to show up on my mm. wedding at this stage. If I ever were to get married, you know, um, yes, did. in which case you're like, Whoa, grandma was right. And he's like, you know, well, like was. She, she wasn't lying. She just didn't know the full story. So yeah, I was the pebble throughout high school. Do you smell it, what the pebbles cooking? Is I love saying. that so much. Um, I, I don't have any famous people. Oh, actually that's not true. I'm related to a mobster. That's like my claim to fame. I was like, I have a mobster. Might, my yeah, lobster. <laughs> 
Lobsters. <laughs> I, I'm related to crustaceans and many a hard shell uh, creatures Vermont. in Vermont. You know, totally landlocked, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Why would we not be named as the lobster? Uh, no, a mobster, Alex. A mobster with an M. That you should believe me because his name was Angelo Bruno and he was the mafia Don in Philadelphia from like 1970 to like 1980. He was, uh, he was shot in the face with a shotgun. So yeah, everything ends out well for the, what was his name again? Uh, Angelo Bruno. Doesn't matter what his name is. (laughs) (laughs) Wait till my family in Jersey hears about this. They're going to be like, what'd you say with some bats and stuff? (laughs) Beating you up. It's going to be amazing. Get him. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness oh my you with your careful fake. what you say around I know, yeah, dude, <laughs> I know a person that's related to the rock so you better like calm your fucking giblets because <laughs> she can smell what you're cooking or something i don't know dude <laughs> fucking, that is that is so i think like older people always do that right they're like they, they they think everyone's very very connected in one way shape or form so like if you like like my grandma, I have a cousin that's like my sixth cousin, and my grandmother would speak about her as if she was my first cousin. I'm like, no, but if you look at the family line, she's like six or seven down. We're we're barely related. She's like, no, no, that's your cousin. That's the way it is. And if you act as anything, yeah. but you are basically ostracized from the family. So I can imagine why your grandmother would do that. But also, I find it very funny that your grandma thinks that cows are, in- or at least lie that you get cows are invented. No, I believe Jesus. it. Like. Like, it's just like, I'm just like, oh my God. But also we're from Nova Scotia and like black, Can- like original black Canadians in Nova Scotia. Um, a lot of us are related and like the rock's mom, like the rock is from his father's from Nova Scotia. So I think that probably she just thought that we were actually blood relatives because a lot of us are related <laughs> in some way, shape or form. Like if you're from anywhere in Nova Scotia and at this stage, if you're black, white or somewhere in between, I might be related to you. Um, wow. so she probably actually believed that one. And that was well, one that like, she was somewhat right. <laughs> interestingly enough, especially in Nova Scotia, um, is, um, Alex, you watched turn a little bit, right? Did you watch that show? Um, that no. I was talking about watch it. Okay. Well, regardless, don't, don't <laughs> bring it up. That's fine. That's fine. I barely watch the stuff he tells me to watch. So we're, we're very even on that. Um, there's this gentleman in the mo- in the the show who's like a real bastard and he's a you know real mean dude he's a british soldier named john simcoe and like throughout the entire show you're just like i wish this guy would die he's such an asshole blah blah and then at the very end they kind of give you a where did they go type of scenario mm-hmm. john simcoe went up to uh canada and he um became like uh, this provincial uh like mayor or something along those lines he was one of the first ones to abolish slavery mm-hmm. up in canada and i think it was in nova scotia is that a is that a historical figure that you're familiar with i mean look i'm born like my family's originally from nova scotia i'm born and raised in can in montreal but you know nova scotia was the main portal of the underground railroad so yes. i totally i totally would that makes sense that makes total sense it's it's weird to think like places like this have like just such deep history that you never assume would be there because I mean like when you think about the Underground Railroad, Nova Scotia. I mean unless of course you are you who's actually you know familiar with the history of it. Me personally, I'd be like Tom, what's the connection between Nova Scotia and the Underground Railroad? I'd be like, I don't know, and I think that's like everyone's answer. Yeah, that's very no, nice. it's uh you know like I I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of family members who you know, done their research. Some of them are historians or who work for like the government. So they have access to special archives. So I can trace a lot of my family history back in this country, you know, up to like 300 something years ago, and even some in the States as well, which is so rare for anybody, but especially a person Mm. of color, you know? 
Absolutely. See, I'm I'm completely different. I'm, I'm even though like I know where my family is. I know I know where they are. But I've got a different. I've got a guy's name, surname, who doesn't mean anything to me anymore. He's my stepdad, who isn't a part of my family anymore. Don't really like him. But I've got his name because I grew up as Whiteley, right? That's just yeah. who I've always been. So I've never changed my name back. I've never gone like to my original name because yeah. when it comes to things, I, I've never really been like, like, I am who I am, right? But I've, then I think about my kids. And then the missed opportunity that I had, I married a Colombian lady. I could have changed my name to Sanchez. That would have been amazing. Alex That's Sanchez. I, I regret it so much. <laughs> and you speak about cousins. Whenever we go to Colombia, right? Oh my God, the cousins! They, they come out the ward. What? They're everywhere. We're going. Are oh, we going to go see the person? We're going to say, "Oh, that's my cousin too. That's my second." Oh, big family. Like, big family. Are you related to this whole country, Cash? Like, yeah, pretty much. You're like, oh, okay, cool. This is this is. Like, <laughs> um, and speaking of working with the Rock, you're kind of halfway there already. I feel yeah. because I'm one degree away, one degree yeah. away from the rock, yeah. from my family, one degree away. And from, from you know a co-star. So I have two different yeah. avenues to get to the rock if I want to directly. Amazing, because if you guys have watched movies, if you know like uh, current pop uh, sort of uh, pop pop culture you'll know that the rock has got a very small cramp twin uh, that follows him around everywhere, and that's Kevin Hart, right? <laughs> Oh my god, their bromance is like it's the funniest thing ever. Their bromance. Mm, I love it. Frank each other, they tease each other, they love each other so much, but it's like it's so funny to see like what they get into and how they make fun of each other and how they just like jab each other. One of the best things I ever saw was when they were on each other's Instagrams, but one was behind the other, like, yeah, I'm on my Instagram there. And said, Will you get out my Instagram? (laughs) It's amazing. Do you think they're really missing out on something? Because if it like, um, is everyone familiar with the with the movie Twins? It, it came out. Yeah, on of course. Yes. Don't don't you think they're kind of missing out on something by having The Rock and Kevin Hart like oh, redo amazing. Twins? Like, in, oh. dude, it'd be great, right? Like, they That's already have like the chemistry, and obviously the bromance, yeah. as you were so clearly uh, stating before, it, it, they're missing out on a real opportunity to make a fantastic movie. I would imagine. I I don't I think you're I think you're a bloody heathen for bringing it up because I feel like there's too many remakes being made. There's too many th- like I like a good remake. Right? I'm really like stop for a sec. Make something original and like you know there have been some things being made that are originally brilliant. Like Future Man, for example. I was just reading about now. Like you're in Tanisha. Oh. Oh, amazing, right? Yeah. Oh my god. So Future Man was a show, and like I can say this because I'm only in the third season. It is one of the funniest shows that nobody has seen. Um, I, I saw actually some of it because it's Last Starfighter-esque and I remember seeing that in uh, uh, Seth Rogen uh, production. Yeah, so yeah? Seth Rogen's an executive producer and he's in the third season uh, but it's Joshua Hutcherson and Eliza Coop um, and Derek Wilson and it's like I remember I, I knew nothing about this show whatsoever. I just knew there was a show filming in Montreal and I had an audition and I was shooting this, another movie with Kevin Hart at the time, but I was just like, let me check out an episode of this show to kind of see where my character fits in the world and, you know, see, see how it is. And I watched an episode and I was like, um, <laughs> dog, it must be that little dog we heard so much about. It's like, hey, stop that! And you're like, get away, yeah, dog. No, that was totally me. That was. Totally <laughs> she's just like barking on the side. She's like, whoo, whoo. Be like, stop <laughs> it! I'm trying to record. <laughs> I gotta go, guys. This dog's going nuts. I can't keep doing the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, actually, she's weirdly she's humping a toy. Like, right yeah, now. So, yeah. Like, my female dog is humping a toy right now, so she's she's occupied. Dominance. 
dumb. And she's like, you think Snoopy's the real dog in this house? And you should look at me. And you're just like, this is so inappropriate. <laughs> Top dog. Um, okay, rewind. Um, so <laughs> so I, was, I, I was like, let me just check out the show to see where I fit. I thought it was effing hilarious. It's not a show to watch with any children whatsoever. And it it's very raunchy, very graphic. Um, but I couldn't figure out where I fit in it. Because my character is like in the year 3419. So I just kept watching. And, you know, between my first audition and the time that I had, you know, a producer session a few days later, I had binged watched the first two seasons. And I was just like, I don't care what I need to do to be on this show. I don't care what role you give me, but I need to be on this show. It's genuinely hilarious because they make fun of everyone. Like nobody's safe, including yourself. Like everybody gets made fun of. Um, it's totally over the top. There's all these it's a sci-fi comedy, so every season has, like, a different vibe to it. You know, one is, like, a Back to the Future vibe and and different things like that. There's all these Easter eggs. And I have to say that, like, I've never laughed out loud as much as I have reading each script of the third season. And nice. I was actually very, very sad that it ended. But um, I definitely, and like I said, I can say this because I'm only in season three, like, definitely recommend watching the show um, because the people who do watch it, it has like a really big cult following and it is effing, effing hilarious. Well, it's cause it's good. It's, it's good. And Tanisha, you can say fuck on here. Trust me. I do it all the time. I just start saying swears for no reason in front of doctors, even that we'll have some very distinguished guests, like much like yourself. I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. Right. And, and I was like, Tom, PhD, PhD. I'm like, yeah, PhD, bro. And he's like, no, that person has a PhD. Shut your mouth. So, so I, I have to write saying, an email to TV guests, but like, I am very, I'm very so sorry. sorry. I'm so I, I sorry. Fluctuate. Like I'll either, like I used to never swear. I went to a Catholic, I went to an all girls Catholic school. Then I switched to like a co-ed school and nothing changed. Like people would make fun of me. Cause I would be like, shoot, heck, you know? Um, mm. So, so it's like, I'll drop like the ultimate swear words, just like randomly, usually in front of my parents, um, <laughs> then, like, you know, but then at the same time, I'll be like, what the fudge? I got made fun of the other day. Cause I was like, oh, it's just so fudging hilarious. And people are like, mm. you just say fudge. So I, I kind of go on both ends of the spectrum. You know, it's like Martha Stewart. She's either in jail or she's baking cookies. You know, I'm either saying fuck, 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 or like, you know, or what the fudge. <laughs> I, I swear in front of my parents just because I can, because I'm an adult. I like to see what I can get away with now. Just really test those waters. Because as a kid, right now, I'll just swear. No swearing. Like, you're no. like, how come you could swear, but I can't? So as an adult with like three kids, a mortgage payment, all that type of stuff, I'm like, hey, what's up, dad? How the fuck you doing? He's <laughs> I guess fine. Okay. I mean, you have to be so aggro. Jeez. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Nice to fucking see you. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how one. I do it. Uh, we do. I do. I work at a, pr a prison to do. Uh, it's a closed prison, and, I, and we do prison breaks. That's why I got a dollar sign on my ear on these fake tattoos. Sure. <laughs> I do. I, yeah. So yesterday we did it. We had a group come through, and it was a massive corporate thing. They work for um, Fred Perry. Mm -hmm. And they came in anyway, and um, they were like, yeah. You can swear, but only a little bit. And now my character is up in your grill, kind of swearing all the time. So I had to like rein it in. And I was trying to find clever ways, like you're saying, like, oh, shoot. And oh, you know, and I feel like I used the word shoe about four times instead of shit. Like, I was like, oh, shoe. And people were like, what is that? Like, I just not used to it. It's crazy. I feel like that can be more effective though sometimes when you're trying to get a laugh across because people expect you to swear, right? But they don't expect you to say things like shoe. Oh, for flip flop. Like, oh. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> be like, oh, flip flop. 
No, like try try to throw in a fudge every now and then, and they're gonna be like, "What the fuck is up with this guy?" They'll be like, "Alex, that's weird." Don't don't get this man. She's crazy. She's crazy. She's saying things like fudge. Like, are you okay? If you're listening to this, what words do you use to disguise? If you're at the kids and you're kind of like, ah, for flip flop's sake, you know, I don't know. My friend told me that she uses the word instead of fuck for the action um muffining so i thought that was really interesting so i just learned that this week that she talked about something and she was like yeah and like you know the like muffining and i was like oh okay she uses that in front of her daughter and it's just part of the conversation girl talk over drinks and she's talking about muffining her husband um you know <laughs> i think i'm gonna steal that actually because me and the wife are always looking for like a term to use whenever we want to like you know be like talk over the kids heads be like hey do you want to go night swimming later night and he's like what the fuck are you talking about? like none of your business we, we're really into calisthenics and stuff don't worry um so i think i'm gonna use muffining for now and be like hey man, oh. one of these muffins like we had to oh, look at the dog. This is Penny. She's whining, so she's gonna say hello. Oh, that's adorable. Hi, Penny. You're welcome on the show. Thanks for joining. <laughs> you really are. Um, you really are. Tanisha, where does it begin for you with acting? Where, where does that where does your journey begin? Your first roles, how you got there? Tell us all your story. Okay. So I mean, I have to start off by saying that I've always been this very animated, very talkative. I was very chatty Kathy, never shut up always crying also um like i was i was the chatty crybaby who like I, I like i rewrite stories and i make up plays and i'd set up a video camera and i forced my sister to be toto in my one woman except for my <laughs> show of the wizard of oz yeah she fucking hates me sometimes <laughs> like she was my <laughs> I, I just imagine you'd be like all right guys we're doing the show i'm gonna be uh dorothy and, oh what am i what am i am i be glinda or something like no you're toto you no, there me. no, like I put a leash on her. Like there's <laughs> oh my there's, god, <laughs> there's a whole movie somewhere of me like being every character in the Wizard of Oz except for my sister who I made the job. Um <laughs> amazing. I think I've always been like a performer, but when I was in primary school around eight years old, one of our teachers started a theater program and she used to be an actor, so she was really into the creative process. So we took our favorite um fairy tales and we would actually as a group rewrite them into stories that we wanted to tell. Um, so I got my stage debut at eight years old um, in a gender bending role as Santa Claus, uh, which <laughs> pretty epic. Um, it is. That and, is really epic. And I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. Like I was just like, I, I need to continue doing this. I didn't know what this was, but I loved it. All the flubs, everything. I loved everything about it. And honestly, I probably heard it on entertainment tonight or something that you need an agent to act so I at 10 years old gave my parents the yellow pages and was like find me an agent and you know they were kind of like okay this is this is Tanisha and they found me an agent and um I was still doing school plays and I don't like my first audition I got a call back um I was really excited but it was really recreational because you know I had my like unless you have unless you're a parent and you have an only you're an old like you have one child who wants to get into something really seriously it's hard to devote your time. And I understand that, you know, my other, my sister, we were only two at the time. She's so cute, super shy. So the agent signed her too. She'd do auditions. She'd eat them. Um, so it was really just for fun. It was recreational. And I didn't really think that it was possible to do anything in Montreal. I remember being like 10 years old watching Barney 
and thinking, I, I think Barney filmed in Vermont or something, or in my mind it filmed in Vermont, maybe because our PBS station that we watched was Vermont. So I was yes. like, one day I'm going to be in Vermont and I'm going to be on Barney. <laughs> <laughs> Vermont, you know, the Hollywood of the East. Come on, guys. What 10-year-old dreams <laughs> of moving to Vermont, right? Like I was that 10-year-old. I was like, one day I'm going to go to Vermont. Um, so it was I support that, man. As a Vermonter, I'm like, yeah, come to Vermont. We're, we're pretty okay. We got things. We got trees <laughs> and nature. <laughs> Random, random whichever, but I was like, I'm going to go to Vermont and I'm going to be on Barney and soon. I am so glad to hear that you watched that because like PBS is great for a number of reasons. One of them because the educational program for children, it's free on top of everything. And so even if you don't have a lot of money in your family, PBS has got your back and they have like kids programming until like yeah. noon. And it is one of my favorite things. And as like, you know, when me and the wife were, were like young parents and stuff, we didn't have the money to get cable. So like our kids watch Dinosaur Train and Curious George and all sorts mm -hmm. of other things so much. In fact, that we actually have a guest coming on in October who wrote almost all the curious george episodes and even though he's he wrote uh, uh hocus pocus and things like that which is huge to me because that's big child apart because i watched so many hours of curious george i'm like oh my god you wrote curious george <laughs> he's like why do you care i'm like yeah because uh, i was forced to watch it and it's kind of like stockholm syndrome and i'm like i love it so much i, I love know. pbs i love pbs and i really felt like viewers like me were making a difference even though i never sent a contribution oh um, you, you know, were like, i was a 10 year old child like i just wanted to like i was just like i need to be on this um but yeah so i just did it you know recreationally i auditioned and like montreal at the time was considered hollywood north um yeah. you know in the 90s and the early 2000s um montreal had more productions being filmed than new york and la combined um, so it actually was a very big market and I, like I auditioned for major, major productions, you know, I auditioned opposite Denzel Washington and movie opposite Reese Witherspoon and stuff, you know? Um, uh, but like, I didn't really realize it when I was 10, 12, 11, 13. Um, and my agent ended up moving on and she, she used to represent all of like the top child actors and she decided to go on the casting end and I didn't like who bought the agency. So I left and I just still had it in my little 16 year old heart and still like, you know, would do little things, but I had already, you know, in my high school, I was at a math and science high school. There's no school plays except for musicals. I cannot fucking sing for the life of me. Like you don't want me to sing. Did they at least do uh, like Jesus Christ Superstar or anything like that? No. What? Um, it was a school that was 70% Jewish, so I don't think we would ever have done that. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Like, guys, the good part. This is where they, they blame did, me for they everything. Annie, they did all, they did all, I remember they did Oliver and stuff like that. And I was like, I wish I could sing. Um, but, yeah, so my old agent worked on the casting, and she'd still, you know, call me in for auditions. So I'd still audition every now and then, but nothing really serious. And then I think like I was like 19 or 20 years old and started hearing about these actors who were from Montreal, who were, you know, like doing these like Emily Van Camp and all these different actors who were doing really well in the States. And I was like, oh, it's possible. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, my little nerdy self like went on the internet and opened, you know, Google and went on the yellow pages and found, you know, the acting schools that they went to. And I ended up going to like the top youth theater school um, to just kind of, I was like, to train and to kind of get the connections to be able to do what they're doing because every single actor who was like in my age range who was doing amazingly in LA came from this school and I did it and I performed, you know, in our, like, you know, our exclusive talent showcase at, at, you know, our biggest theater um, in the city and got an amazing agent, had my first publicist um, and just kind of everything else 
oddly enough, just kind of domino affected itself from there. Like it was just a lot of synchronicities happened. You know, I ended up meeting an agent who introduced me to the acting coach that became like my acting mama and, you know, taught me how to be vulnerable and to not be afraid to be the crybaby. And that's why I ended up working a lot in drama. Um, and then from there, I ended up meeting actors and writers and directors who are doing amazing things in, you know, across the world. Um, and somehow that, that led me to here. So basically I, I jumped back in at like 20 years old um, and never fully stopped the grind or the hustle and um, the self-improvement and education process because I am very cerebral and I'm a nerd. I do know that it's lifelong learning in whatever you're doing. Um, and a lot of people think, well, I have talent. I don't need to do anything. And it's like, no, when I'm not working, I'm training. And even mm -hmm. if I am working, if I have time to train, I'll still train. Um, so I always had that, that in me. And then, you know, it took a couple of years for things to start rolling. And now I'm, you know, <laughs> doing podcasts with cool guys like you and oh you know, that's you know like, like having this amazing role in one of the top 10 most streamed films on netflix of all time and you yes. know um things like that that like it's surreal and i literally feel like i'm living 10 year old tanisha's dreams every day even the days that are like fucking brutal when you're just auditioning against you know named actors and you're just like well why would they want me and you're reject because it's an industry with a lot of rejections right um mm -hmm. you get like you know a hundred no's before you get your one yes and then you wait another hundred no's to get another yes but then i remember that oh yeah 10 year old tanisha who let's say wanted to be on pbs who would watch let's say arthur yeah. um you know who now has friends who who were the who are the voice actors of Arthur and now my friends' kids, the next generation, they're voicing the next generation of Arthur and things like that. And I'm just like, my peers are the people who I watched on TV um, and strive to be like them. You know, like there are people who I've watched their shows and I'm like, now we're really good friends. And now I go, now they come to me for advice sometimes, or I'm beating them out for roles, or we're working together, or they're looking forward to working with me. So it's, you know, success is, is very, very different at every stage of your life. You know, your mind changes it. But like, this is a very big version of success with me that I can work with the people that I grew up watching. Absolutely. I think it's, that's, it's, it's super important that though, I think people do need to learn to do that, to look at what they had, what they got now and what they had 10 years ago or so, you know, because like, there's, there's times when a lot of people struggle. I mean, I do. I, I struggle a lot. I'm kind of like, I don't want to do this shit no more. It's too hard, right? <laughs> and then I'm thinking, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. But then I'm thinking, I'm speaking to Tanisha Collins from Montreal. I'm speaking to Tom Bruno, who's, who's in Vermont. We've got listeners from all around the world. You know, we didn't have that 10 years ago. Stop it, Whitey. Yeah. You can do this. Really it's good, right? it's like, you know, if you look back to last year or even six months ago to where you are today, like, even if you're not where you want to be, you can see even mentally maybe where you've grown. And I get, I get a lot of those times where I'm like, fuck, like this is brutal. But I do have to admit that I've never really had the moment. And this is kind of why it even upsets me even more because I've never had that moment where I'm like, I'm going to fold in the towel and not do this. You know, it's more like, I wish I could stop. Like when it's really, really like, you know, when those moments are really, really brutal, I'm like, I wish I could stop, but I can't because I know in my mind that I made a promise to myself when I was 16. I'm like, whether it means that I'm, you know, at the Kevin Hart level um, or if I'm, you know, working a desk job and I can just do community theater and like little commercials on the side for fun, I need to keep doing this in some way, shape or form. 
And now that I've seen just like what the difference six months or you not just not just five years, but six months can make. Um, there's no way I can stop. It's more just like push through, keep learning, do different things, you know, expand my horizons and take on different interests. And the good thing is I love learning and I love I've learned to love failing because I, you know, there's a lot of times that we're just like, oh, I want to try something, but I'm not, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. But then you remember that, oh yeah, everybody who tries something the first time probably sucks unless there's some kind of prodigy. You have to yeah. fail at something, see if you like it and then keep going before you actually get good at it. So now I'm, I'm like, okay, how can I fail today? What can I do today that will allow me to fail um, and learn something about myself and you know, maybe distract me from the heartbreak of not getting that role that I had my heart set on that I got to like, you know, the final whatever for, mm -hmm. or, you know, on those days when it's really hard, that's what I kind of do. That is probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And I think that should be kind of like, not, <clears throat> I mean, it, it sounds kind of productive, right? You want to be good at something, so you don't want to fail, but the way you just kind of put it, it's very important to fail for personal growth. So really maybe we should all strive to fail a little bit on the inside, just so we can kind of like push our boundaries because it's, it's, I mean, it's not easy to succeed, but like success is so much easier to understand than failure. So when you sit there and you think about it and you're like, Oh, this is what failure is really is just teaching lessons on how to succeed. That's, that's a really cool way to go about it. I must say, um, when you were talking about the acting school, it wouldn't be the William B. Davis acting school, would it? Or uh, yeah, this is in Montreal, so it's the Dynamic Theater Factory. It doesn't really exist anymore, but the woman who the woman who founded it, she still, you know, she like she was brought onto my set of, of a movie called Fatherhood to, to coach some of the actor young actors there. Mm. Uh, but they were really just like a ground, a training ground for some of the most successful actors um, coming out of Canada. And a lot of people that I know who most of the people that I know who started at a young age made their way through that school at some point in time. Well, the, the only reason I asked is because it, well, it is a Canadian school. The William B. Davis um, act school mm -hmm. is, but it's because he was the uh, cigarette smoking man on X-Files. That was, that's oh. like who he is. And he has this acting school. I guess he's been doing for years. So I'm always waiting for oh. somebody to be like, yeah, that was the school I went to. Cause surprisingly enough, we speak to a lot of prominent Canadian actors and it, it, it makes a lot of sense when you're like, well, especially because like, um, they have that homegrown production sense, right? Like, I think it's like 30% of the Canadian content needs to be on yeah. the airs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, um, it, it doesn't shock me at all that at one point, especially when you look at the stats, that uh, Montreal is pushing out more content than the U.S. Because you guys got to combat with a huge conglomerate that is Hollywood, a very well-established thing in like Canada has some of the best contents. I think that's also one of the reasons you guys lowered your prices so much to like have people <laughs> film there. Like totally come to Canada guys. Well, we have, so, we cheap. Have so many tax credits, but also don't forget that like most of the stuff that's happening, all like we have a lot of Canadian stuff that's lower budget, you know, it's it costs them. They invest a lot less in our, in our, in our content, but I'm talking about American productions. Like I've, my resume is only American productions and I've only oh. filmed in Canada. Um, you know, there's so many because, you know, Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto. Now there's in Nova Scotia also. Um, you can make you can make Montreal look like New York. You can make it look like Europe. You can make it like I, I filmed so many like, you know, a lot of the green screen technology because we have the best green screen technologists in all of North America. Um, a lot of green screen projects film in Montreal. So like X-Men, Sin City, um, yeah. they come to Montreal. The new Transformers movie is filming here. Um, different things like that. And, you know, we have a huge video game industry. A lot of the biggest video games mm. um, film in Montreal. It's a multi-billion dollar a year industry. 
um, and now it's expanded to Toronto and Vancouver as well. Um, and I think the reason that you have a lot of Canadians is because, you know, you guys rock. We're, we're, we're like, we're, 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 we're Americans come, we're Canadians camouflage as Americans, you know, <laughs> like a lot of times you don't even know. Cause a lot of Canadian actors, you only really get to know them when let's say they made the move to LA or when they like, you know, booked some American show here. Um, and then you're just like, like a lot of people, even on sets when I'm working, they assume that I'm from New York or LA um, because I don't, you know, say what about it. And I don't, I don't sound, you know, like, like, a, like, a, like a, <laughs> I can hammer a tap into a tree. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, I don't like, I, I, I don't sound overly Canadian. Um, yeah. So they assume that I I'm s- American. Um, I but say a, a. That's my, yeah, my go-to. I, I say it every night. I say it when I try not to say it. Which is annoying, but there's so many. Mate, ah, so many of us. As as a commit as as somebody from Canada though, does that okay? This is gonna sound like I'm being real, a real dick now, but I'm not. But does that mean you have to try different accents from different areas in America just so you can try and get those roles? So you sound like you're not from Canada. So there's something called just like you know in the UK they have um, RP right. Um, mm-hmm. Which I don't and, you know what you're talking about. Which is, <laughs> which is a standard pronunciation um, that you'll kind of see across the board for a lot of the BBC projects, unless they're mm-hmm. regional. You know, um, mm-hmm. we have something called a standard American accent, which is basically anywhere USA, a very standard accent. You, you know, it's not Brooklyn. It's not. It's not like a specific New York accent. It's really a standard accent that you see in most projects. And honestly, most English, most people who are like natively English in Montreal or Toronto or Vancouver. We have that standard American accent generally, although some do have some Canadianisms in there that they will they'll actually do training to be able to do the standard accent because, um, you know, when I, let's say when I'm auditioning or meeting with a producer and they assume that I'm American, they don't hear anything. But then as soon as I say, they're like, oh, are you from New York? And then I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, I'll say I'm from Montreal. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, now I hear it. Because all of a sudden, psychologically, they're like, oh, yeah, now I hear it. You said a boot. And I'm like, I've never said a boot in my life. No. Unless yeah, I'm going to put a boot in your ass if you don't calm down, motherfucker. Like, you don't know me. <laughs> it's, like, it's like this subconscious thing for American producers and directors where they're always listening for it if they think you're Canadian. Um so they try to find it, you know? So like, I know people, like I have a friend who lives in tech, who like lives in Texas right now. She just did an audition and she just said, yeah, I'm in LA because she doesn't want them to think that she's Canadian because they're going to try to find the accent that's not there. Um, mm. But yes, there are people who do try to do the standard American accent um, and there's lots of classes for it. Um, I already have it natively. I've never had to take it, but then, you know, like there's, you know, if you want to sound African-American, like, you know, you might want to take a course or surround yourself in that environment. If you want to do, um, you know, a generalized Hispanic accent, you know, um, which is really sad because depending on your country, your accent's very different. But um, I feel like I've said fuck a bunch of times. We can be totally on PC for white America. Hispanic is Hispanic. So there's one accent, um, mm-hmm. you know, whereas like a Colombian versus a Mexican versus a Dominican versus a Cuban sound very different speaking English to me. Uh, but if you're not exposed to them, if you live in Minnesota, it's all it's all the same. Um, oh, if I call my my if I say, tell my wife she's from Peru, she slapped me at the back of the head. She beat the shit out of you. There's different there's different cadences. Just like in just like you know if like there's a there's a standard Southern accent, but if you mm. go to Louisiana versus Texas versus Florida, there's different cadences in how people speak, and people who are from there get like people from Louisiana get really angry when they see projects 
that are set in Louisiana because everybody just sounds like they're from Alabama. They're like, that's not we, how we speak. We, we, we used to play a game, didn't we, Tom, where we used to like, we used to point somewhere on the map, like, right, do the accent. And I like with the UK, it's different. It's, it's really difficult for Americans oh, because yeah. people, people think that we, we only sound like that. Yeah. Oi, oi. Oh, we sound like this. Hello, Dad. Would you like more, more tea? Like, that's the, that's all we get. Right. Yeah. But, you know, you've got people from Liverpool that sound like scousers. You know what I mean? Like, then you've got people from Manchester that sound like that. You know, where, you know, there's so many brilliant, wonderful accents and the same in, in America as well. And like, like Liverpool. With America, though, you've got like a state, and then inside a state, you've got different accents around that state. You know, mm. it's interesting. I love accents. I think they're so brilliant. They really it's are. Funny how I really enjoyed hearing your little accents for all your your UK accents. That really made me very happy. <laughs> oh, there's so many. There's like Yorkshire as well. You bastard. That's that's your uh, your John Snow. You bastard. You know that's the, I love that so much. See, bastard. when Alex says we used to play a game, he used to play a game, and I'd marvel at the fact he could play it because I'm like, I don't do accents. <laughs> I just barely start. I started watching the show. Um, are you familiar with You're Under Arrest? It's like no. the uh, the Canadian cops, essentially, like the show Cops in America. Okay. Um, and you think about it, it's very rugged, and like get on the ground. Like Canada has a version of that called You're Under Arrest. Oh my god! And I've been watching it because it's so beautifully canadian they'll be like well uh you've been uh you've had too much to drink and uh we're gonna call you a cab but um you know you really need to uh think about this before you get in the car next time and it's so brilliant and i have i like watch it every day before i go to bed now i'm like it's so oh, fucking beautiful it's so like i love canada so much do a question for you Tanisha. do i have an accent because i would because i don't know if i do like whenever i talk to somebody nobody ever knows where i'm from they don't even know where the fuck vermont is most of the time they're like where's that is that in canada i'm like sure on Sheffield. <laughs> so, so you don't you you do have like a generalized american accent but then like you just said sure right mm, sure yeah. is a very canadian thing the it, most americans say sure Whereas like yeah. sure is is a Canadian because it's more from the from the British, right? right. Long sure. Um so there's little you have little tiny hints of Canadian things in you that if like if I if we were out in a bar and we we're talking, I'd probably after a while be like, okay, so where <laughs> like, from? either you moved away either you moved around or something, because there's a little bit of something in there that it's like but generally, it's standard. You have kind of like the standard American accent, I would say, except for like little tiny Canadianisms in there, which makes me really happy. <laughs> we, I, I, we, we've spoken to a few actors. I mean, um, I want to talk about a bit, um, a little bit about Monsieur de Limour, who came on. Um, he's oh, he was in. Um, yes, 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 he is. We, All you guys know he, each other. Excellent. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Mo is amazing. He's like I my love... next door neighbor. Hi, Mo. <laughs> Don't start down. that shit again. He was like, I'm going to wait outside your house for a pizza. I was like, Tom, stop it, man. <laughs> Everyone uh, knows but... I'm joking until I really do no, it, Alex. Don't. And then they, just <laughs> they don't know who the fuck you are. I do, but these guys don't. Um, but no, we had a really uh, interesting conversation with Mo because he was like, yeah, I was getting bits here and there when I was in Canada. And, you know, I could have sat on a soap for the rest of my life. But he's like, no, I want to I want to go for the big, the big roles. Uh, and he's like, I've got to move to America. So we did. Is that ever in your plan? So my career has been very interesting because, you know, um, I feel like when you're, you know, average, when you're like, how do I say this without sounding cocky? When you're an attractive young actress, you're kind of conditioned to that you're going to have this gossip girl CW type career. You know, my first role in like our union was hot campus girl number two. Um, just to give you context, and that was for a show called Blue Mountain State. 
Um, so weird. That was my first one too. I'm so surprised we have that connection. Totally believable. So, but that's kind of what you're conditioned to do. And you're kind of going in for like girl next doors and just hot girl, pretty girl, hot girl, pretty girl. Um, but my acting coach that I, that I said was my acting mama, she was lovely. And what she kind of would tell everybody in the class is she goes, you're all so beautiful. No matter what level of attractiveness you are, you're young, you're beautiful. You have all your, your health in you. She's like, you're going to work because of the way you look, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a nerd or whether you're beautiful, whatever it is, you're going to work. You're going to book roles based on what you look. My goal here is to help you deepen that so that when you're old and wrinkly and fat, like me, she would say, but you'll still work because your talent will speak for itself. And then also that when you book those meaty roles, that people who won't look at that and be like, oh, they just, he just booked it because he has a British accent or she just booked it because she's cute or he just booked it because he has this cool ass mohawk. It's going to be like, no, because their talent is there, you know? So she ingrained that in me and worked, I worked really, really hard and I really wanted to prove myself, prove to myself that I could do this because of my talent. Um, And then it was just a matter of like waiting for that right role. And I ended up getting that role on a show called Real Detective, which is an anthology series um, true stories, um, really amazing show. Every episode's a different story. Um, and it's in the style of true detective. So it's a very raw, gritty drama. And I remember being at this audition and it was a very, very emotional whole audition. And after one of the scenes where I'm like bawling my eyes, I turned to the casting director and I'm like, how's my makeup? Cause I was worried my mascara was running and she, and he was just like, don't, I don't care. Let's just go again. You know? And I was like, <laughs> and it was, and like, I had gained a little bit of weight. I wasn't feeling pretty I wasn't feeling hot and like I book I know I did a great audition and then I booked the role and I was like oh I know I booked this not because of how I look or what size I was but because of what I brought and that was kind of like it shifted in me which also at the same time shifted the industry for me because then all the kinds of roles that I was getting weren't just these superficial um and I love like the superficial roles are really fun too those like little sitcom-y stuff but it was these raw gritty um challenging dramatic roles that I imagined playing when I was 50 years old that I was now getting at 30, like, you know, 25, 30 years old and I would book them. Mm. So like my, because of that, and because I had been preparing, I like, I feel like I've been preparing for the last decade for these types of roles that when they came, I was like, let's fucking go. I am ready for this. And I, and like the, the award was, the show was nominated for a bunch of awards, like that specific episode. Um, so I was like, okay, I could do this. And then, so my career has been a little bit different. So since like a little bit before then, I kind of had this like hyperbolic climb um, where my roles just got more and more interesting. Um, mm. And I stopped going in for the bit parts. And I got very, very, it was, it's a very privileged position to be able to say, I don't need, I'm not going to go in for the one line on a TV show, because if I do, then I'm burning myself for the recurring roles or that big guest starring role. And my agent and I were on the same page. So I was able to do that for Montreal. Mm. It was incredible, you know? Um, So part of me was just like, okay, I should move to LA. And I had a lot of friends who moved to LA who were, um, we kind of started at the same time, but the resumes were a lot less substantial than mine in terms of, um, you know, the types of roles. Like I I was getting these like great roles on network shows and big movies. um, And, you know, they were kind of, starting from scratch and at a standstill. And I was like, no, I, I'm going to go when LA calls or I'm going to go when I have something to bring with me versus just like, hi, I'm here. And then I'll be in a room with 20 other people who look and behave like me. Like there's no point. I, in my mind, I was like, look, like I said, Montreal's still a major, even though it's not number one anymore, 
still one of like the top five or seven in North America. If I can't make a name for myself in my own city, how am I going to make it in LA or in New York or anywhere else? That's how I looked at it. So I was like, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to cut my teeth here. I'm going to keep climbing this, like keep this exponential momentum that I'm on right now um, and build the reputation for me. And then, you know, Toronto is like the Canadian LA. Everybody's like, I'm going to go to Toronto. I'm going to go to Vancouver. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to let Toronto call me. I'm going to keep doing it here because they know me. They've known me since I was 12 years old in this city. Why would I leave where they, like, they know me, they trust me, they take chances on me. They're starting to like see me more than just with like the bubbly cheerleader Tanisha that's presenting herself now. They see all the different sides of me. And it was a very hard decision to make, and it was very strategic, but it worked out for me. And then Toronto started calling. And now in Montreal, I'm auditioning and, and having meetings in Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, LA, Halifax, like from my own hometown. So I got very lucky, I think, uh, because a lot of people do have to make that jump at some point. And I know that in 2019, when I had finished filming Future Man, I filmed Future Man and Fatherhood concurrently. I was filming oh. the book across the same summer. And I was like, okay, this is my first network recurring role. And this is this like large, large role um, in this Hollywood movie that ended up being shrunk, but it was supposed to be a really large role. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like, now I'm ready. And I had great connections and I was connected with the casting and the producers and everything. And they were like, well, let us know when you're in LA. So my plan was, okay, the movie's going to be released in spring 2020. I'm going to spring 2020. When I go for the premiere, I'm going to, before that, I'm going to apply for my U S visa. I'm going to stay in LA, build that momentum because I'll have that momentum. And then what happened? COVID happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. Changed everything. But what that did is that it shifted things for me because back then, like that was just the beginning of the new chapter of my career and COVID happened and it forced everything to go virtual. And then it, you know, opened the door to both countries to me in in a way. So now I'm kind of at the stage where I'm like, you know, eventually I will go to LA. Um, Mm. But right now everything is virtual. I'm very happy and very comfortable in my hometown. I'm very happy to be able to be taping and having meetings across the country already. Um, when things reopen fully, we'll see. Um, who knows? Like we're kind of playing it like, you know, month by month at this stage. But I, I think now is the time where I'm like, okay, I feel like I've done all that I can in my own town. And I also feel secure enough that if I leave, they're still going to call me back anyways, Um, that now it's time to kind of those seeds that I've been sowing in LA time to, you know, let them blossom a little bit. But once the pandemic allows me to water them. Now um, you see, the thing is you might've seen my daughter go through. Um, She reminds Mm -hmm. me a lot of you energetic, fun, like full of emotion, like everything you're describing about yourself as a younger lady um, are all things I see in her. So, and of course, just like every young girl, at least some young girls, she wants to, you know, establish herself and she wants to act. She wants to do all these things. What kind of advice would you give to a girl that maybe looks at you and, you know, maybe not future man, but maybe in fatherhood and says, that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. What would you tell that person? So first thing I would say is not only is it okay, it's encouraged to be more than one thing. You can be more than one thing. Hmm. So look, I, I wanted to be a ballerina. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be Miss America and I wanted to be um, a lawyer and I wanted, there's so many things that I wanted to do. Um, 
and it was never a question of this or that. It was a question of how can I, like, when can I do it all? Right. Because we are not one thing. We are not just one thing. You guys are not just podcast hosts. You have your fathers, your friends, you have all these different aspects to your lives. And I'm not just one thing. And all those different things that I am, like I studied science in university. You know, I studied science and business. I went to a math and science high school, but I was also in a sorority and I was a competitive cheerleader. And I've, you know, I, I've traveled across the world, but I also love my hometown. And I'm all these different, like I'm so many different things in one person. And each experience that I've had makes me richer and richer. And then I can bring that to the work that I'm doing, right? Mm. Um, and I find that every time that I explore something that I want to do, like I said, whether I succeed or not, whether like letting myself just be bad at something to see what it's like to do it. I learn more about myself and I add more to my toolbox, so to speak. And that toolbox makes me much more alive actor, but also I feel just like a cooler person to be around. You know, the people who are just like, I am just this one thing. I'm just going to focus on this. And they don't really want it. They don't, they're afraid to deviate. Like you're limiting yourself. Right. Yeah. So I would say to, first of all, you start where you are. Like I, I just came back from Toronto and I've had this conversation with a few family members. One was my 11 or 12 year old cousin who she saw the movie and she's like, how did you get started in acting? I want to do that. And we talked about that. And then she's like, I also want to be a dentist. And I was like, cool, do both, you know? And then my, then I have my cousin who's my age, who he said that he always wanted to do it with, but was afraid. And he works in sales. And I was like, take a class, see if you like it you know, maybe do an audition just for fun. And he sent me a voice note and he was like, I'm doing my first um, voice audition, you know, at like 30 years old, he's doing his first audition as a father of a newborn and as a salesperson. And it just adds to your life, you know, so build your toolbox. There's no right or wrong time to do something. It's never too late. So for your young daughter and for your grandmother, it's the same thing. It's never too late to try something new. Um, and trust your gut, you know, trust your gut when it's pulling you towards something and maybe sometimes ignore your gut when it's telling you to take a step back. Mm. Because if it's not life or death, like what I've learned and I feel like, and I keep having this conversation over and over again, but it, cause it lives so much, like it's so alive inside of me is, you know, a hundred thousand years ago, that anxiety that we felt was because we actually had a real predator there. You know, it was, you know, feast or famine. It was being chased by some wild animal but now in 2021, if I have to, like, I had to pick up the phone to make an appointment for my dog at the vet. And I was like, oh, can I make this over? Can I do this by email? Like, I don't want to pick up the phone. That anxiety that we're feeling is that flight or flight response still alive in us today because we're not being chased by anything, right? And usually, like nine out of 10 times, it's really just, it has nowhere else to go. It's not life or death. It's not going to leave us in financial ruin. And it's not going to hurt anybody else. So for me, when I have that fear or that like thing that's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't, I ask myself, I'm like, is it going to ruin me? Is it going to ruin my life, ruin my career, ruin my relationships? Nope. Is it going to hurt me or somebody else? Nope. Then what's stopping me? And then I do it anyways, because feel the fear of doing it anyways is the, I'd say it's like the number one reason as to why I am who I am today in my career as a human being, as everything that I do. And it's something that I try to encourage everybody, but especially young women who are so conditioned to be something that society wants them to be. 
is to just be whoever the fuck you want to be and be unapologetically that and go where the pull takes you. And if something's pulling you away, unless it's something that feels harmful, nothing, you have nothing to lose by trying it. And if you fail, you fail, but guess what? You'll learn something. Even if what you learn is just, I don't like that. Then you learn something and then it's not a failure. So that's my, mm. my long winded advice. To oh, that's perfect. That's beautiful. Everywhere. One of, one of my favorite actresses of all time, because she is, she's very much like that. It's Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman's oh. just amazing because she's, 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 she's clever cocky, man. You know, mm. she's been to university. She does. And she did the rap stuff with Lonely Island. She didn't give a fuck. And she's an amazing actress. Too. She's clearly one of those people that's just like, I am who I am. So fuck you if yeah. you don't like me. And I love that about her. See, it's so funny because my, my favorite actress is Tanisha Collins. It's so funny that you'd say it like that because that's no, it's just so weird. Fuck you, Alex. <laughs> you had the opportunity. You had the opportunity. I snitched it away from you. I was like, ha I got it now. <laughs> Sorry, Tanisha. I didn't mean to. Just like, well, there's someone else. By the way, do you know who's great? It's Natalie Portman. You're like, yeah, she's pretty great. No, no. Let me assure you why she is. I'm not no. kidding. Oh, you just I'm wait, just... motherfucker. I got this. I got this. No, because <laughs> she was she was like the face of a lot of hate for a while there with the prequels and stuff yeah. like that. And she's still fucking Natalie Portman. So it's amazing. Um, let's talk about the the what we haven't talked about already. We've only got a short amount of time to talk about. It. I can't believe we haven't talked about it. Is the movie Fatherhood with right. reviewing Kevin with Kevin Hart? Oh, by the way, we watched that. Of course, I was going to research that movie, and, and fucking, cr- I cried like a. Girl, all the way through. Honestly, I shouldn't say that. That's really bad because I cry at everything and I'm not yeah. a girl and you're not a girl for crying, boys. But no, I did. I cried a lot from that movie. It made me so emotional. As a father, as a father myself, watching that movie with a little girl as well. I've got a girl. I know exactly, not exactly what it's going through, but like I connected with so much of that. Um, what was that like for you being a part of such an amazing movie? It was surreal. Um, so I have to say that I don't even know where that idea came from, but at the beginning of that year, I, I think I was just kind of thinking of, cause I'm, I also am writing and I'm trying to create. And I was thinking, I'm like, who do I want to work with? So I just made a, like a data dump list of every single person, actor, writer, director that I want to work with. And honestly, the list was mostly people that I knew. It was mostly my peers cause they're the most fucking talented people I know, but there were some celebrities in there as well. And at the top of the list was Kevin Hart and Alfred Woodard. And six months later, I'm working with them. So to me, just that in itself was just like a holy hell, how did I get here moment? Mm. And fatherhood's based on a true story. It's based on the true story of Matt Loeblin um, after losing his wife, Liz, who actually today, September 18th is her birthday. Um, You know, her heavenly birthday. So um, it's like, I feel like on set, I've done a few projects where it's true stories. Um, and you, I personally, I always feel an extra responsibility to be as not just good, but as sensitive to what I'm doing as possible so that I can do everybody involved in the story justice, even if they are the villain, you know, that like, there's somebody out there. I always say like there's somebody out there who loved them, even if they're the most Mm. horrible person in the world. So I need to do this without judgment and just be fully this character. And with that movie, I felt that every single member of that set from the crew to the cast to the producers, we all felt that we were doing something special. Um, And for three months, you know, in Montreal, um, these hundred plus people were all just so 
so beautiful. And it was just such a magical moment. And it was very long days. And, you know, I'm working with like all of my scenes are with the seven-year-old um, at the time, seven-year-old Melody Heard, who um, is a tremendous talent. If you've seen them on Amazon Prime, she's fucking killer. Um, and and Kevin Hart, you know, so it, it really was, um, it was everything that I dreamt of my entire life and more. I think that, I, you know, it's two years later, it's two years later, and I still vividly remember the feelings of being on that set. I vividly remember the feeling of being in an airport bar in Miami, flying back to Montreal and just receiving the script and reading the script and then bawling my eyes out like a little schoolgirl in the airport bar in the first 10 pages. I got my drinks for free, which is great. But like, I remember <laughs> like, like they were just like, Oh, it's like all your drinks are free. Um, but it was just, it's just, I don't, I, I feel like even if I, become the star of, you know, my own Hollywood blockbuster film. I, I will never forget the experience of filming fatherhood. And I mean, the fact that, you know, in the first two weeks, I think it, it was viewed by 76 million households in 81 countries worldwide. And wow. it's right now it stands as one of the top 10 most streamed films on Netflix, which it was originally supposed to be a theatrical release. So I was really bummed that I'm like my first big Hollywood film, like my biggest project that's on Netflix. But then I was like, no, every country in the world has watched this movie and fall in love with this story. And the Obamas are the production company. So the Obamas fucking know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> the Obamas know who I am. I'm just like, it's, it's. Oh, so grandma be like, hey, I'm one degree separated from Obama's guys. So in your face, <laughs> the rock. Give me that, uh, that, that teacher lady. Uh, what was her name again? Tisha. <laughs> like, I have people from around the world messaging me, strangers telling me how the movie impacted them, you know, like complete strangers, me. And I'm just like, or like not just like an educators who've been in these positions, um, you know, with, with a child, like, like Maddie, the real Maddie, you know, she dresses in quote unquote boy clothes. I wish that we kind of were able to delve more into that in the movie, but mm, dealing with yeah. all, everything, like there were scenes that were cut that dealt more with that, but I understand why, because the material is already so heavy, but the, it just, it impacted so many people. And I, yeah, I, uh, I, I, that nearly caused an argument between me and my wife, by the way, because I was like, ah, wear pants, man, Let wear trousers, you know, why does she have to wear a skirt? And she was like, well, that's the uniform for schools. And I was like, yeah, but like, I feel like the girls should be able to wear trousers. It's a choice. Imagine telling someone what they can and can't wear. I mean, she's like, yeah. but what about if they go into work? I was like, they changed that rule in work. They cannot make people wear dresses in work anymore. They changed it. And she was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, it's funny because there was a scene that was cut where, um, or a part of a scene that was cut where, where Kevin Hart um, is speaking with the headmistress and he's just like, what the hell? He's like, it's whatever year we were. He's like, it's, it's this year. And, um, we've progressed beyond that. Like, she's a girl. Why can't she wear pants if she wants to? And she kind of was like, look, like we're actually very progressive for a school in our middle schools and above, you know, the boys can wear skirts if they want. It's just, we really want to enforce structure with the kids. Um, but like, obviously that whole part of the storyline was, was significantly reduced, which unfortunately affected some of my scenes. So that kind of hurt my ego, but I understand, <laughs> I understand, I understand, well, I understand the story, but, um, but no, I mean, it, it's, and it's, it's very accurate. Like if you see the real Maddie, like she's very much, you know, she loves her flannel shirts and her jeans and, um, 
And I think that that was very, like, you could see hints of it because throughout the movie, everything, like, her room is very much dinosaurs in space and she's in pants and, and like, space stuff. She's never in girly stuff, you know? Um, and it made a lot of people think. I think a lot of people, especially um, a lot of Black men, where there's, a, like, it's there's a pervasive, not everybody, but there is a homophobic um, and, and gender-phobic something ingrained within some cultures in, in black America. And a lot of people, I, 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 I follow the hashtags. So I read, I read a lot of like the discussions following the movie and a lot of people like seeing it from that angle, they were like, Oh yeah, that, that does make sense. And it, it opened a lot of people's minds, even with the selfies, which I thought was really cool. It caused a bit, bit of shit, didn't it? I mean, there was, um, what's his name? Uh, Brandon T. Jackson. So there's this, there's a scene at the end, um, I need to ask you about that anyway, personally, because uh, there's a scene. I thought, oh, spoilers. Uh, can we say this? There's a scene at the end. end. It's the during the during the credit scene. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so Kevin turns up to the school. He's like, "Are you ready?" And she's like, and his daughter's like, "Yeah, I'm ready." And he's in the skirt himself as well. He stood there and he pans out and he shows him in the skirt. Stood there talking to you. Um, how was that? How did you keep a straight face for that? By the way. <laughs> okay. So first of all, what I loved about this movie so much, and that's something that I forgot to mention, is that even the scenes that I'm not in the movie, um, my like everybody has had their impact on this film because. I was working with like 50 kids for three months and myself and, and Melody, we became really, really close. And, you know, she's a little dancer. So we do a lot of choreography and she taught me that dance, the floss, which I still can't get. Um, <laughs> so we were always, always dancing and doing choreographies between takes and Paul Weitz, who's the director who also directed and co-wrote about a boy, which is one of my favorite movies and American. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, he was nominated for an Oscar for about a boy. But he came up to us and he was like, oh, my God, I love it. He kept he loved our relationship, you know, so we'd take little tidbits of our relationship and infuse it in Kevin and Maddie's. And they had their own special relationship, too. But then he saw us like we were always dancing. And he was like, can you um, can you teach that dance to Kevin? And mm -hmm. so that that wasn't scripted. That was literally because he and her were doing it nonstop that he ended up getting Kevin to do it. And like. Kevin is a naturally funny guy. This is a dramatic movie, but he's naturally funny. He doesn't have to try to be funny, right? So there were a lot of laughs in general and a lot of heart-to-hearts, but a lot of laughs. So in that scene, which was not the last scene that we filmed, even though it's the last scene in the script, um, oh, luckily, like, there, there's a lot of over-the-shoulder scene for me because, like, I like all you see is my cheek. And one, and one of the <laughs> from the side because I'm laughing and then he kind of like waddles away like a penguin because he calls us penguin um it's so hard not to laugh everything because a lot of my all of my scenes with Kevin except for one or two are very comedic you know it's the comedic relief in the film um mm. no he had me he had me in such as the entire time so that scene especially like when he showed up in the skirt I think I don't think I, I think I missed that part in the script I don't think I saw like in the stage direction so I didn't even know so it was a surprise to you like it was like, I mean, like it shouldn't have been, but like, I was just bad actor. Didn't read the stage directions in his scene. Cause I was just like, let me just learn my lines. Um, so when I saw him in the skirt, I was just like, Hey, sexy legs, Kev. And then like, he started doing the dance and I, yeah, I, I think it took us a few takes to kind of stabilize to not lose it anymore. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I, I know it caused that's, a bit of backlash. <laughs> that's my little, 
That's my little puppy. Remember how earlier you're like, oh, he might interrupt. That's my little puppy behind me. He's just like, now is the time to grab bags of chips, the most uh, loud snack of all time, you know, when you're doing this. Uh, Tanisha, you are a treasure. I, I got to tell you this right now. You you have been so much fun to talk oh, to. You have so much energy um, about you. That is just such a beautiful thing, because especially in, in the time that we're in, it, it's really hard to come across people like yourself that are just, you know, just so natural and just so cool and just like so much fun to chat with. I got to say, this is one of my favorite interviews we've done in such a long time. So thank you very much for doing that. Thank you Especially. so much. Thank you. And if um, when the borders open, I mean, right now they're very, very trickling open, like you can get across with a test and all that type of stuff. And we we moved up here prior to COVID and it was our intention to go show our kids Canada because one of the nice things about Vermont is it's like that's right across the border. We'd go mm. to like uh, the biodome and all that type of stuff. We do all sorts of things um, because it's right across the border. So me and the wife have been trying to get it back across to show our kids Canada and all that stuff. But eventually things are going to open back up and we're still be, uh, be able to go. And I hope one day, um, you know, you don't have to say yes or anything, but like, I hope you'll let me oppose upon you to uh, maybe meet up with me and the wife and you can show us a, uh, a real home girls version of Canada. I, I think it'd be very cool to see it through your eyes. I feel like I'm Montreal's mascot anyways. Like it, I've traveled the world and it's still one of my favorite cities. So I would absolutely love that. And you're not imposing. I'll like. And if you're ever in Shrewsbury in the UK, I'm just <laughs> Oh, shame. I'm open your door, Alex. You know, I've been dying to go back to London and I, I almost got convinced to go. In a- oh, London. I'm Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. <laughs> the London of the East. Shrewsbury is from London, but. Uh, it's quite far, but I mean, it's the birthplace of Charles Darwin. I mean, come it on. is. Oh, well, then evolution was born. We got castles. We got, I love that so much. We got castles, you know, fucking castles are great. Stuff. Yeah, a, a, a prison. There's a prison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tanisha, you, you are fantastic. Honestly, we've had some, and we, 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 we've spoken to a few actors over, over the last year or so, and I, I really wanted to do like, um, a behind the curtain sort of podcast series where we talk oh, to actors about their trade, you know, sort of encourage people and get people outside their box and stuff, do a bit of improv and talk about how you get there with an accent and find your characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, so if we do that, I'd love to invite you back. I'd love oh my God. To- I would like, look like you guys have both been such a delight and I love talking, but I love conversing as well. And this was such an amazing exchange. Um, and I love, like, we're talking about things that I love talking about. You know, we're talking mm. about, you know, mindset and motivation and drive and my career and, and acting and, and the craft. Um, and I do think that would be a great thing because um, not everybody needs to be an actor, but I think that, the, like, these, a lot of the tools that we have help people in their day-to-day lives and their own careers as well. So I would totally love to come back. I think improv is just so important for life, just normal life. I mean, like, uh, just having conversations with people, if you can think, you know, yeah. and, and move naturally in a, in a good direction. Improv is so important. Especially for people who have anxiety, you know, like if there's social anxiety, then, yes. it's like, okay, then, then it becomes a game versus mm. a conversation and it yeah. makes it a lot easier. Well, let's be charming for a bit. Let's be just be charming. Let's do that one. Let's do that one. That's a great one. Oh, I can do that one for a little bit. Um, yeah, I suffer, I suffer the same. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a weird one, a weird one. Where can people find you? If there's uh, somebody listening to this and thinking, oh, Tanisha would be great for this thing that we're working on, how can they get in touch with you? So absolutely find me on Instagram at Tanisha C. That's where I'm most active. I share career. I share, I share basically anything that comes to my mind, um, which is a lot of motivation, a lot of mindset, a lot of 
things that will get you thinking. Um, and then queer stuff and life stuff and little things about Penny, my dog. Um, <laughs> I also have a website, TanishaCollins.com, where it's a combination of acting and myself. Um, you can follow me on Twitter where it's a data dump for my brain. Anything that I feel um, is interesting enough to share publicly, but that nobody that I know would want to get it in a text goes on Twitter. <laughs> Um, so, so definitely a lot of office tweets there, but, um, Twitter and, uh, I am working on my YouTube. So Tanisha Collins on YouTube, you'll be able to find oh. me there and eventually it will have something interesting there. But for now it's just a couple of videos, amazing. but definitely yeah, try to reach out. I'm happy. I love speaking to people, reach out, send me a message, slide into my DMs. You've been amazing. Honestly, I've loved this so much. Oh, um, but oh, yeah, I forgot to ask. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Uh, are you working on anything at the moment? Is there anything you'd like to tell people about? Or um, So right now I'm working on a few things that I can't really talk about. Um, I do have a couple of, which is every actor says that, right? Yeah, um, but <laughs> I do have yeah. a few things that I can't talk about. I do have a couple of um, French Canadian shows coming out. Um, one actually just premiered that my, my episodes are coming out shortly um, called Six Degrees, so Six Degrees and Nuit Blanche, which is like all nighter. Um, I actually have and a zoom a pandemic zoom adventure series based on dungeons and dragons called dungeons and distancing where i'm one of the leads i play the the dungeon master casey um that's available on youtube dungeons and distancing it's really easy to watch it's silly if you play the game you'll love it because you're going to see yourself in it if you don't play you're going to want to play because so much drama ensues (laughs) amazing you just have so much. I, 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 I said it. You're, you are a treasure, my friend. You, you just have so much going on. I love the fact that you don't put yourself in a box. This has just been such a delight. I love this so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. This was really. You guys are amazing. This was so fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. What we tend to do now, Tony? <laughs> oh my god. I've got a whole day of prison inside me. I'm, my head's fucked. There's mashed potato up here right now. Um, <laughs> uh, what we tend to do now, Tanisha, is we're going to slip on over to the later lounge. We're going to geek out a bit. We haven't spoken for a bit. Um, and so we're going to be talking about Rick and Morty I want to talk about. Yeah. So we're going to slip over to the later lounge and we'll let you get on with your day. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tanisha Collins, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yay. Uh, amazing. Right, so if it, here. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, this is honestly really great. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Brilliant. We 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 try really hard. I mean, like this is just one of those things, and I know we're still going, but um, it, it's we we started this thing like three years ago. Alex started with a buddy, and then we kind of like I joined on um, just because we were both uh, fans of this uh, Kevin Smith uh, Facebook mm-hmm. page. And we just started doing this whole thing, and it's really affirming. And thank you very much for the very lovely compliments. Um, it's very reaffirming to, that to us that we're doing the thing that we should be because we feel that we give great content. But of course, like you know, with everything being so combative, with you know, there's TV and YouTube and everything else, mm-hmm. we don't get the numbers that we feel like we should. And I, that sounds like really shitty, right? Like we're like, ew, we don't get what we should. No, but it, it, we get, but the content yeah. we we listen back and we're like, we have these people on, we have these amazing conversations and we don't hear other people doing this. So why is it that, you know, the person with the car YouTube channel has 5.6 million views and yeah. we have the amazing Tanisha Collins on and we're only rocking like a hundred or a thousand or something. That makes Honestly, sense. Honestly, like I've, I've been doing like, cause I've, I did a lot of promo for the movie. Um, I think I've probably done since June about 40 podcasts. Um, and and some are just like, I just did one that's launching on Monday. It hasn't launched even yet. Um, so, and I've done with like different viewership levels. Um, 
and being a performer, I can appreciate and I can see the talented side as well. And you guys are really good at this. You guys are really good conversationalists. You guys are good at going with the flow. You're good at, you know, I, I, I'm a tangent. I'm a walking tangent. Everything is tangential with me. And you guys are good at rolling with the punches. You guys are really good at this. So I think that oh. is of so many podcasts. So many podcasts. Um, we're getting somewhere. Tell me, we'll definitely. Yeah, I know, somewhere. right? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to bedtime. But Tanisha Collins thinks we're all right. We're mostly well, okay. I think, I think not everybody's good at this, and you guys are quite good at this. And I felt very comfortable. Whereas sometimes I feel like I'm trying to make the host comfortable, and I'm just driving the conversation. Like this was a conversation versus an interview. You guys, well, you guys are really, really good. Thank you. We've got that. Well, we've got that. No, come on. You, 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 no, I was gonna say, there's plenty of actresses out there, Collins, but I must say, you are the, my favorite among all of them. And from now until the end of time, be like, oh, do you know who's an amazing actress, Tisha Collins? She won an Oscar, shouldn't she? We're weird. So much work from this, like, podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I spoke to this American boy, Tom Bruno. He says I should hire you. He just wouldn't <laughs> shut the fuck up. You're like, yes, I knew it. If I would have said nice things about that boy's podcast, it would turn out something it's great. So do you know what's rewarding about it is, though? Uh, over the last few weeks, we've been suffering quite a bit of failure. It sounds daft, but we've been mm. planning this charity event in two weeks. It's called Pod Aid. Um, it's a twenty-four hour live podcast. I'm not trying to plug it. We're not we're not on at the moment, but it's it's um it's a twenty-four hour long podcast. So that's a uh, twenty-four hour long guests. There's the logo. Um, so we're we're working with so much. We're trying to get all the guests in. Trying yeah. to find the sponsors. The donations are going. So we've had this terrible ordeal. So I'm thinking oh, I'm so bad at this. It's really bad. And then we speak to someone like you, and it reminds me again, just kind of where we are now. This is what that was true. What I said. You know, think about where I am now, or where I was really a year ago to where I am now. So thank you for reminding me about that today. Genuinely. Yeah, of course. Look, like I, like I said, like I've had a slew. Like I, I, when I say that I had a slew, like I've had like 45 auditions where like the casting director and my agent's like, this is fucking killer. And then the producers are like, meh, you know? So like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like you're like, oh, I, I don't like, I'm preparing. I'm like, I'm going to be in Scotland. I'm going to be in Vancouver. And then the producers are like, eh, yeah, you know, it's the final two, but meh. You know, um, oh, so, I, so I know that feeling of like, you're doing good work, but then you're like, everything is happening against you. And you're just like, am I, am I actually really shitty at this or whatever? Mm. But, but I yeah. think that like, honestly, that exercise of being like me auditioning opposite, you know, whatever name actor and like they booked it, but it was final two between me and them. I'm just like, I wouldn't but, have been able to, you know, remembering that or like, you know, the fact that you can get sponsors. You know, yeah. three years ago, you wouldn't have been able to get sponsors. Oh, I know. Really we're getting them. All right. Let's go. We got to let you go. Tanisha, we got to let you go because otherwise yeah. we will just sit here and talk no, the rest of the day. Talk forever, but this was really great. I'm happy that we were finally Come back on soon, man. Come back on. Yeah, I'm yeah. Going to be like, Tanisha, what are you up to? Come back on the show. We'll, we'll do that. No, anytime. <laughs> right, if you click the Leap Studio button, we'll do the uh, the later lounge. We won't do a short one, right, Tom? And then we'll, we'll get out of here. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I've quested the wife of choosing the movie for tonight, so I'm so eager to see what she's chosen. So, <laughs> amazing. Right. So click that leave, leave, leave studio button, and we'll, uh, we'll, I'll send this to you when it's out. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great Thank day. You. you too. Good day, guys. Thank you. Right. Slip, slipping over to the later lounge. Uh, where's the? <laughs> you call the. I love it when the Uber driver has candy in his little dish right there in the center thing. 
Yeah, but I don't know who used this before us, but they've chucked the empty wrappers in with the fucking chocolates, like, and the what's, sh- what's that? Who all does about? that? Who does I, that I don't shit? know. That's like, really rude. There's a trash bag right next to it. Clearly, it says trash right there. I don't know who writes on the car like that, but he does. And th- the guy was so nice. He had like Twix and, and Reese's. And I was like, oh my God, this even has Cadbury. And then we just start going through the candy. Nothing but empty Raptors. What's that? Wh- what's that all about? If you're one of those guys that um, does that, that leaves empty wrappers in a tin of Quality Street during Christmas, you're a fucking heathen, okay? <laughs> you're a heathen, and I nobody likes hate you. you. I want you to die. These are the things. Um, so we, you guys probably do not hear the, the extra stuff. Um, I feel like we should probably give that as like a little bonus thing at the end, because that was just like we ended up talking to Tanisha for like an extra five minutes just because of how phenomenal she was. And thank you so much, Tanisha Collins, for coming on the show. She was a fucking delight. She really was fantastic. And oh, I just love that. I think there is definitely something there about uh, this behind-the-curtain style uh, interviewing of actors because, mm. you know, when you when you look at a movie like, I don't know, like like Fatherhood, we'll take that for example. By the way, go and watch Fatherhood. It's fun, amazing. I'm not saying that because of Tanisha. It is really, really, if you're a, fa- if you're a parent, watch that film it will make you cry uh, but like you look at that and you look at um the names that are attached to that you know uh, look it's kevin hart you just see kevin hart you see kevin hart the characters he plays you know uh you know you, you speak about seth rogan from future man or you know like we were talking about that and you just think of seth rogan <laughs> you know it's good to get that human element and to understand what goes on there because it's not easy the rejection part of going to auditions the hard work the traveling here there, and everywhere the working on characters the reading of scripts that you know it's not easy it really isn't. and it's rewarding when you hear about the joy like for, for example john levine he came on the show and he was talking about how um his friends and his family suddenly realized he's part of the mcu because he couldn't say anything it's signed a non-disclosure mm-hmm. um so then the, the trailer dropped for loki and people were like oh my fucking god that's you john and he's like overjoyed it's nice to hear that it really is it is really, really it really is, is. Oh. and i and i gotta say like i i don't think that we were kind of like you know like no like oh poor us why aren't we doing better i really feel like it's just something that we need to talk to people about because it is a little frustrating that we we put our heart and our soul into this we bring on the most amazing guests that we possibly can and it just seems like sometimes you're just running in mud and you're just like why am i not getting farther than i think we should be but then you talk to people like tanisha collins and she's like no i've i've done this a few times especially in the last few months and you guys are just like you know naturally good at this and that just is such an affirming thing to hear from people and by the that's way i know i am special um i know i did a very shane thing there dude but like she's just seemed like such a nice person i was like i think that the wife and me would have a good time like roaming around montreal with her so i i, I definitely had to throw it out there because i love that the shane thing for, for guys that want reference to that we were talking to john edney from opm he's like and john edney was telling about our opm they recorded a a music video in Colebrookdale in, in, in Shropshire and he's like yo 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 if you're ever in, in Shropshire again we'll, we'll go for a pint um, I was like what and Tom was like, John, he's like sure, sure. And he's like okay I'm writing down the books and he's and I was like shut the fuck up Shane <laughs> but this is the thing right Shane is a lovely guy like that and he, he was like he would just be like let's go for a drink but you gotta remember like <laughs> do you know what I mean so I love it Rick and Morty eh <laughs> yes 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 you finished it yeah i did um 
And I, I, I the, one of the first things I did is wrote read to the guy, wrote to the guys from the Rick and Morty podcast. I, I wrote to Brad. And I was like, I, I really, we need to fucking offload shit. I need to. Offload. And he was like, No, go on then. And I was like, No, no, we're not on the podcast, man. He's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's get them back on. They are phenomenal. Fucking um, interdimensional podcast is what they do, and they are just phenomenal. Okay, so let's let's break down a couple things. This this season was it's good and, and don't worry, i'm not gonna begrudge any of the season is it, it rick and morty is just one of the shows that even if i'm not particularly fond of an episode I, I, i'll get through an episode like the turkey episode I'll be like oh that was all right um i go back and i rewatch it and i love it more and then i watch it again i love it even more and then but by the time i'm on my fourth viewing of it i'm like this is fucking phenomenal how did i not see the brilliance of the show of this episode in particular um those last three episodes were fucking powerhouses of episodes for rick and morty would you agree yeah, they did a they did a Rocky Free on us. Uh, you yeah, know, when, you know, when, yeah. When he retires and and you and you, like Mickey dies, he's like, "I'm not fighting the guy," and they do it for way too long. And then she's like, "Win!" I like, know oh, that's Rocky Two, isn't it? When she goes, "Win!" Oh, and, he goes, Rocky. and then Mickey's like, "What are we talking about? What are we waiting for?" And then, <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh my god, they're gonna do the fight thing." That's what they did with Rocky, man. Uh, with uh, Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they did with Rocky, Tom. I'm gonna break down that's the entirety. <laughs> it's a boxing film starring Sylvester Stallone. There's a guy named Mickey, and he wants to be cut at one point. It's it's phenomenal. You watch. That's what they did with Rick and Morty. They were like, <laughs> "Here's some nonsense. Here's some nonsense." And it was like silly little episodes that didn't really mean shit, like really. And I was like. And I think I called this. I called this a couple of weeks ago. I was kind of like, it's just sex in the fucking everything, and they're having a great time and everything. And I reckon they're just going to go bam, 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 and they fucking did. They literally gave every. They, they basically told everybody, right? They gave everybody everything they've been asking for, and they went, now shut the fuck up. <laughs> They even said, well, maybe the fans will stop chatting up, going on about it now. Like, you know, it's so good. Okay. So, spoiler, 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 spoilers. If you are a Rick and Morty fan, do not, like, you've not finished season, do not listen to this. Um, okay. How quickly did you catch that little bit when he's just like, um, the first, like, cause I, I, I caught it and I was like, he's like, oh, you're just another Rick living with your dead daughter. I'm like, whoa, what? So, what they showed us back in season three with, um, the Rick, uh, Rick Redemption, um, whatever that episode where they, yeah, where he goes back in um, ta- where they go back in his memories and he's at the Shoney's and they show his wife and his daughter dying. That was true. That was accurate. And like that's the biggest problem. But that fucked Morty's me up because he was like true, but you can't. Uh, you can do it about a fabricated origin story. And is that yeah. the blue pants? Is that just because he was wearing blue pants? The I whole think story so. was real, but he was wearing blue pants. Maybe that's. That's the, the actually funnily enough, you caught that and I did not. That's fucking brilliant. That could exactly be what that was. So that was fucking brilliant. Um, the bird person of it all was just amazing. It's really like a, a real introspective look at Rick as a character and as like younger Rick catching up with him. And then, of course, followed by the thing that everyone's been waiting for for fucking two seasons the return of evil Morty was fucking brilliant and the fact that he's on level with rick is even better that is just like my fit because the entire time like you know when anyone goes against rick they are always at a disadvantage rick is the most brilliant man in the multiverse mm-hmm. right like he can do whatever he wants he's a god essentially and he's ne- no one's ever on his level he's always 16 steps ahead of you except evil morty and the, my favorite fan theory of all time has been that evil morty or morty is rick and rick is morty they are the same person just in different years and i love the last couple episodes because you saw how rick morty can be c137 morty yeah yeah mm. 
It was a mind blower. And it, what I loved about it is it was leaving like breadcrumbs. Uh, go back and see episode nine, season one. Like, I love that so much. God, so great. Fuck, I love, I love the bird person. All, dude. It was so fucking brilliant. Like me and Shona were just watching and like this one of those things we definitely watched together. I'm sitting there like, oh my God, oh my God. And she's just like, yes, yeah, Tom. And I'm like, oh my God, you fucking say that. And she's, she's, she wants to look at me. She's like, I show you my pussy and you fucking get excited about this. Um, yeah, and it's like Cass doesn't watch Rick and Morty. She's not interested. I don't get any, what? even a smidgen that. She's just fucking not a big fan, man. She's not a big fan. I am though. But um, yeah. you know, I always talk about Rick and Morty and how they're really good at telling really small stories very brilliantly, right? And yes. um, uh, the Morty's mind blowers is a perfect example of that, you know. Um, yeah. and they, this is what they did is they were like, oh, I'm going to be doing. <laughs> Rick's like, I'm going to get a new psychic. Two crows, two crows, and they. Yeah, they oh my god! Up. I completely forgot about the two crows. That was so <laughs> fucking great. And Morty's desperate attempts. <laughs> Dude, his fucking death. He shows up at that place after he has the big fight. He's like, oh, hey, Rick. And he's like, Morty, what the fuck? <laughs> Dude, and then he shows up as a fucking old man in his 40s. And you're just like, oh, man, that's so sad. <laughs> and they're like, Morty, did you age yourself up? And I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Oh, my so God. <laughs> how, how, how much, like, us. Like as <laughs> did more he look? He looked like us when we fought. Oh yeah, he did. He's so us. He looked like Jerry too. That was the other thing. I was like, wow, he looks a lot like Jerry right now. Like so mm. much. Or he actually looks like Jerry's fake brother from that episode with the fucking uh, imaginary friends and shit. Um, I was thinking of Fat Morty, the, the cop, Fat Cop Morty, kind of similarity yes. there. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Call me a psychic one more time. Call me a psychic one more time. <laughs> um. So, um. The Citadel of Ricks has gone, completely gone. Yeah. From wow. all fucking timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that means. Uh, and uh, Evil Morty's gone. We don't know where because we've never seen a yellow portal before. What does the yellow portal no. even mean? Oh, my God. I don't know. I fucking love that so much, though. He's like, I'm going to a place that no Rick can follow me. I was like, oh, my God. That's so Do you fucking think that's brilliant. Time- Do you think that's time travel? And you think that's why Rick doesn't fuck with time travel? Because no, he always said I, I don't, don't fuck know. with time travel. I don't know. The problem is with the show. Sometimes it outsmarts me so much. I have no idea what's going on. I'm like, where the fuck? They have to like spoon feed it to me. So as much as I feel like I'm on the up and up and I'm like keeping track and shit, I'm like, oh, I know what's going on. Then sometimes they'll throw you a fucking yellow portal. I'm like, what the fuck is the yellow portal mean? Oh, man, it's just so a brilliant cool. show. It really is. Now, I don't think we've even got that long to wait for the next season because I think it's already done, isn't it? The next season. I think it's already it? done. I think so. Oh. But they'll, 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 they'll make us wait. But like, oh, yeah. I'm really happy that with the season now because we've got we've got a lot of fun to sit and watch because you know me guys listeners is if you've watched this show all the time you'll know that I like to fall asleep to Rick and Morty so when it goes on Netflix which eventually it will in the UK um, I will throw that into the mix I'll have, you know four seasons four seasons, four mm-hmm. seasons. Um, and I'll be able to just sit and vibe with that now um, so. I'm really happy with it. I'm I'm glad that they were they were not only given the stuff that we wanted, but they're kind of like given a nod or a, shut the fuck up now, please. Um, to, to, to the, the, the what, I thought that the was great, dude. Yeah, oh, man. I thought, there's just maybe so they'll much, now shut like, up about it. <laughs> fucking, it, they're so aware of what they are and how loyal their fucking fan uh, pages, their their fan bases. It, it's really just something that I'm I'm so grateful that I got 
pushed into watching because my if anyone remembers me talking about this in the beginning i didn't really dig it, it I, like i had a lot of like picadillos with uh with rick going all the time and i was like uh, i don't dig that but then i rewatched the first season i was like oh that's brilliant and then like it was already into its like halfway through the second season i was like dude there's so much about the show that is fucking just so into it, it reminded me so much of futurama and the things i love about futurama that I was like, why would I not instantly fall in love with the show? And I'm so glad that I gave it a rechance to be or a second chance because it's just, it's one of my favorite things ever. I look forward to every season of Rick and Morty that ever comes out. And I love that Rick's like, fuck it, Rick and, Rick and Two Crows, 100 seasons, 100 years of Rick and Two Crows. That's fucking <laughs> brilliant, dude. It was just so good. Oh my God, that Two Crows episode was brilliant. I, I love that it's uh, C, we find out that it's C one thirty seven that created the Citadel, and now he doesn't want any part of it. I love that. There's mm. a Rick's Rick's backstory montage explains that C one thirty seven Rick created the Citadel after trying to hunt down the version of him that killed his wife and child. Oh, so quickly growing frustrated with his inability to do so, Rick's increasingly unhinged behavior is linked to hit this failure to find the murderer. And the fact that the montage ends with his showing up at his current Smith family makes it clear that he still hasn't managed to do so. While making Rick and Morty entirely hinge on Rick going on some Taken-style hunt um, is a bad idea from the narrative perspective. This unfulfilled goal does set up a good place to end the show when it's time by finally letting Rick confront the man who ruined his life. I think there's so much to come. Uh, where do you think that you like? Where would you like them to go with it? Because obviously they can keep pumping season after season after season. Would you like to see movies? Because like, this was the difficult thing with The Simpsons was like everybody wanted to see a Simpsons movie and it did well. The Simpsons movie, but they've not yeah. done it again since, have they? Do you know what I mean? So no, no. I I don't know. I see the thing is I think I want to stay out of this portion of the conversation because. <laughs> I like what they do, which is surprise me. They said they do that better than almost any other show. Like you think you know where it's going, and then they'll just fucking one eighty you, and they'll be like, "Nope, this is what it is now." And you're like, "I accept it. And I love it." I I don't know where they're gonna go next, and I don't fucking care because I'm gonna follow them wherever they go. Even like, well, now Rick and Morty gangbang every day, and I'm like, "Yep, totally. Let's watch it. Cool." Is Rick yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking low <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. we're doing english completely english accents only rick and morty special oh, hello there uh, hello really <laughs> kind of cool i'd like to watch the three evil morty episodes back to back i think that'd be a lot of fun to watch mm-hmm. i think maybe we should do that before we meet up again we should watch all three of them again just see how that plays out because it was such a cool yeah. arc and they didn't and the thing was that like it would have been so easy to start off season four with evil morty it would have been easy it would have been a, a fucking big get but the fact is they're like no we'll wait we we put on the back burner and it'll show up eventually rocky but two. it doesn't need to be now it's so smart we rocky too uh so brandon um uh we we want we want to get you back on <laughs> and we'll come on your show as well i just want to talk about rick and morty all the time anyway we better go um because i got i got um Got to spend some time with the family. I know you have too. Tanisha Collins, what an amazing guest. Thank you so, so much for, for joining us. Um, we have had a few scheduling issues, so this is going to be out, uh, I believe, before Pod Aid still. So um, I'm going to tell you guys about it. Um, Pod Aid is something we're going to be doing um, 
in a week's time. I'm trying to remember the dates now. Here's Pod Aid. Here it is. Ha ha. It's Aha. a 24 hour long podcast that we're going to be doing to raise money for Lincoln Davis, which is a Shrewsbury based cancer fund. Um, and we have our main fun- uh, sponsors, thanks to Reach, who have designed all of our de- uh, all of our logos. They were in our social media. Had a meeting with with them the other day. They're very much on board. They're very, they're very, very, very helpful. Uh, we <laughs> we are using the Shrewsbury Town the Community Football Hub. Um, it's a uh, uh, outside Shrewsbury Football Stadium, uh, Shrewsbury Town the community are amazing. They do a great job uh, with you know linking with uh, various parts of the community, helping out uh, with disabilities, with outreach, with young people, and uh, they do a great, great job. Uh, so we're very, very lucky to have be able to use their venue. So thank you to them, guys. Um, and what we're going to do is uh, 9 a.m. on the 29th of September, we're going to go live uh, on YouTube. And we're not going to stop till 9 a.m. on the 30th of September. Um, there is a text to donate um, ability for you guys. If you text pod aid free to 700 850085, text pod aid free to donate three pounds. Um, it says here, top text pod aid free uh, to 70085 to donate three pounds. Texts cost £3 plus one standard rate message and you'll be opting in to hear more about our work and fundraising via telephone and SMS. If you'd like to give £3 but do not wish to receive marketing communications texts, pod aid, no info, 320085. But please text to donate. Do not, please just donate. It's for a great cause. Uh, we want to do this and be successful so next year we can come back and be like, yo, that's, I, I, I like the idea of making like a league table, you know, yeah. seeing who makes the most. Because who, yeah. even if you come last and you've made 85 bucks, you've made 85 bucks and you've positively helped your community. I think you did better than that, but we'll, we'll come back next year. We'll challenge you guys. It's going to be yeah. a good thing. Challenge. We'll have challenge coins. Coins of challenge. Um, and if you want to find out everything you need to about, know us about also you, so I can go to our website. Um, let's see if I can get through this while my internet's trying to shit the bed on me. Hey guys, we have a website. It's yousucknetwork.com. It is the home and hub of all things you suck. Um, you can find amazing shows like this one. What's the difference podcast with Alex Whiteley and Tom Bruno, where we bring on such amazing guests like Tanisha Collins, who is just really on the show. And what a fun, fun interview that was. Um, so if you like interviews, if you like real human conversations and people from all walks of life, that's what this show is. And that's what we give you every single week. We also have Wednesday night live every week except last week where we took a break for once um, and it's it's an amazing fun show we we do a lot of different things we kind of change it as we go it's very fluid very organic we don't like leave it as in one thing we do whatever we want on that show we just bring people from the USUC and we interact with our fans so if you want to talk to us that's a good opportunity to do so uh, we, we do whatever we want on it and it's a very fun fun thing to do we also have Yelling at Clouds with the amazing Eric Fluger he is a prolific artist uh you might recognize him from hollywood babylon fame or smodcast uh, with kevin smith he is a he's an amazing artist you might see his work there and he does a podcast with mr alex whiteley over here where he basically rants and raves for uh, a lot of amount of time and makes alex and me feel like we don't know anything while he knows everything it's it's such a good time and that show is available on newsnetwork.com and all these things are available to you because we have good friends over at weborchard.com Webwatch.com, guys. Oh, is webwatch.com is a website building uh, uh, company. That's what they do. They make you a website. So if you feel like your online presence needs to be stronger, reach out to webwatch.com. They will hook you up with a fantastic website and tell them that we sent you. 
Yeah, say, oi, Alex Whiteley sent you. Bruno too. Yeah, give us yeah, a website. Yeah, yeah, give us a website. You'll, you'll know right what now. you mean. You'll know what you mean. Uh, yeah. Right, guys, let's get out of here, man. I've been running around a prison all day. Tom's got shit to do with his family. Uh, and I'm going to go and watch a movie with the family. Okay. Right, we'll, we'll catch you guys next time. This has been What's the Difference podcast. I've been Alex Whiteley. And I am Tom Bruno. Peace out. Hi, this is Ickis from RL Monsters. And um, I would like very much to ask you, if you don't mind, to watch um, the USAC Network with Tom Bruno and Alex Whiteley. Oh, that's all. I have to go flush myself now.